This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. Today, we're going to be talking about the rapture of the church, and it's part two. Let's do a quick review of what we learned last time. And I must say, if you haven't listened to the first podcast, The Rapture of the Church, please go back and listen to it, because it sets in a really good foundation for some of the stuff that we're going to go over today. So, the quick review. Number one, Jesus is returning. Jesus came once as a child to bear the sins of men and to teach us, and then he went back to the Father. But he is returning this time, not as a humble servant, but as the master of the universe. The second point, there will be a rapture, a catching up of all those who are in Christ. Before the rapture, the dead in Christ will rise and they will be changed. They will have this imperishable body, just like the body that Jesus had when he rose from the dead. And those who are alive in Christ, when Jesus returns, their bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye from from a mortal body to an immortal body. Next, God will never pour out his wrath on those who are saved by his grace. Jesus paid for that wrath, and we who are saved never have to go through God's wrath. Now, we could go through some troubles and some discipline, but not through his wrath. I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 4:15 through 18, and I want you to listen very carefully because the timing of the rapture is right in here. Two clues when Jesus returns, and at the trumpet call. So here we go. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Another good reference here is 2 Corinthians fifteen fifty-one through 53 That's the scripture that tells us about our bodies being changed from perishable into imperishable. From mortal to immortality, we need this body to go into the presence of the Lord, the same body that Jesus had when he rose from the dead. I want to bring up another important side note here into the study of the timing of the season of Jesus' return. Now, of course, nobody knows the day or the hour, and that's set in stone. It's right in God's word. But we are to know the season of his return. Depending on the translation, the English words in the English Bibles, tribulation, affliction, distress, trouble, and a couple more, these all come from the Greek word, the lipsis. This word is used throughout the New Testament, the lipsis, uh, some 45 times. What does that tell you? We are going to have trouble in this world. We're going to have tribulations. And as believers, we are in a crooked and evil generation, and God has called us out to be separate from them, holy, 
And so the world is not going to like us. Just like Jesus said, you know, look what they did to me and just figure out what they're going to be doing to you. So they killed Jesus. So the unbelievers, especially as we get into the last days, further and further into this, the last days, there is going to be more persecution. And of course, Jesus has promised that um, and made it clear that we are going to have trouble in this world. But rejoice because he said, I have overcome the world. So it behooves us to stay very close to Christ. So the word thelipsis, in the context of our study of the rapture, in Matthew 24, has an adjective before it, great, great tribulation. Now, I've heard many times in uh, study and, and talking to people about the tribulation period. And most people, when they say the tribulation period, they're talking about the seven years that we study in Daniel chapter 9. But after Jesus' ascension, Christians have had tribulation. But in saying the tribulation period, most people are thinking about the whole seven years of, um, I don't want to say tribulation period, but that whole seven years. But that is not the case. As we get into the scriptures, there is only the great tribulation, and it starts after the abomination that causes desolation. That's in uh, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, all pretty much close to the same. So the abomination that causes desolation is where the Antichrist will set up some sort of idol in the temple of God and declare himself as God or some sort of Messiah. That is the time where we break or he breaks the covenant with Israel. So it's three and a half years into the seven-year period. That's when the Great Tribulation starts. Matthew 24, 16 through 20 tells everybody, after the abomination that causes desolation, to get out of Jerusalem and get out of Judea. So let's go on to Matthew 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been seen from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. That is the great tribulation and it starts three and a half years into that seven-year period. Now, when you say, or when the Bible says, that it's going to be the worst time of all Earth's history, I think of Noah and all the people who were drowned during the flood of the Earth. So if it's going to be greater than that, this is going to be a great tribulation. In the last podcast, we learned in Daniel 9.27 that the Antichrist will establish a covenant. I'm sure it's going to be for peace with Israel. But there's not going to be any real peace. The Antichrist will be setting up the world to come under his control. He will gain power and wealth and possessions, and he will plan the demise of Israel and of Christians. And that's kind of happening right now. There's certain players in the world who are really against Israel and against uh, the United States, which used to be this great Christian nation. And uh, I don't think we are as much as we were, obviously, in the past. But still, Satan wants to bring us to an end. 
in the middle of the seven years, Satan or the Antichrist will break the covenant that he has made with Israel for peace around the world, and he will set up the abomination that causes desolation. He is going to look like a supernatural leader, and I guess in a way he really is, because he's going to be empowered by Satan. And if you read through Revelations, you see that there's spiritual forces at work in order to deceive. And this Antichrist will be powerful in his line and in his persuasion. He'll rise to the pinnacle of power in this world, and he will be lauded as a savior of some type or, or God. Next, we have remarkable signs to the return of Jesus. So, I'll read Matthew 24, 29 through 31. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, And then all the people of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. At this point, it is not the wrath of God. God is not coming with wrath. It is men coming against men, mostly unbelievers, against the Jewish nation and against Christians. And they will be empowered by Satan also to bring devastation to believers. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 5. In these verses, the day of the Lord is when he returns. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. Now, Brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. Matthew 24, 32 and 33. Let's push forward right into it. It's Jesus talking uh, about the same subject. We know the season of his return. It says, now listen to the lesson of the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. The Lord has been giving us markers and signs and about his return. It's clear. And it's not good for us to demand a sign like the Pharisees did, but Jesus has provided them for us, and we need to pay attention to them. He has also provided signs of his coming before he was born um, into the world. For example, in the four Gospels, it's full of signs. And of course, the Old Testament has signs and wonders too. And these signs and wonders was to authenticate that Jesus was coming and that he was God in the flesh. He was virgin born. 
He changed water to wine. He walked on water. He healed all manner of sickness. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He rose from the dead and proclaimed salvation to the whole world. These are signs of his coming, and now we have signs of his return. Let's turn the corner now, and I want to go to Revelations 6, 12 through 17, because this section of Scripture in Revelation lines up very neatly with the Gospels that I've been talking about in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. So I'll start reading verse 12. Revelation 6. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat's hair. The whole moon turned blood red. The stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? So we have that, the seals, the the sun's being darkened, the uh, moon turns blood red, we have stars falling from the sky, and we see this, the heavens recede like a scroll, and Jesus said that they will see the sign of the Son of Man coming to the earth. And I think this is going to be like a bright light because it's glorious and it's powerful. After that, we go on in Revelation to chapter 7. The first uh, eight verses talk about God sealing the foreheads of the 144,000 Jewish people. And that's a whole study in itself, so I don't want to get into that, but that's what the next section uh, talks about. So I want to push to Revelation 7-9. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. I'll stop there. And in the next couple of verses, there erupts a time of praise and worship. And I'll continue in verse 13. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So the Gospels line up almost perfectly with exactly what's happening here in Revelation in the sixth seal. It's very important that we understand that all the Gospels and what Jesus said and what Revelation is bringing up to us tells us that Jesus is going to return. He's going to rapture his church as he approaches, and all the dead in Christ 
will rise, and all those who are alive will be changed and caught up to him to be with him forever. And there's this scene in heaven of praise and worship and thanksgiving where all these people are so happy that they're saved. So let's let's do a little summary here. First of all, the Antichrist sets up a covenant of peace with Israel. I believe at that time there's going to be great turmoil in the world surrounding Israel. And guess what? Things like that are lining up very well. Israel has literally been at war since its inception. But it is getting worse. Number two, the Antichrist personally will break the covenant and set himself up to be God and cause the abomination that causes desolation. And at that time, the Great Tribulation commences. Number three, next we will have signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and the sign of the return of Jesus. Jesus returns. He brings salvation to all those who are waiting for him. Their bodies are changed. The dead are raised. And we all are caught up to him in the clouds to meet him in the air and forever will be with the Lord. Folks, it will be important for you to read and study this for yourself. I'm not infallible, so don't take my word for it. Do some study yourself. Get into the scripture and understand what the Spirit is saying to us, because the days are, I believe, pretty directly in front of us. I believe we're in that season of the last days. And so we should understand what God has given to us in his word. Remember, he's not trying to trick us. It's there. But we do have to study. We do have to get in and uh, really research and, and put things together. That's just the way it is. Luke 21, 25 through 28. Let me finish with these words. Jesus speaking, he says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehension at what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. We don't have to be like the rest of the earth that is mourning and asking the mountains to fall on them, hiding from the wrath of the Lamb. We can stand up, lift up our heads, and rejoice that our redemption is drawing close. This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at thecleansoul.org.